business stuck? Tired of leaving money on the table? Are you ready to take it to the next level? Join us as we dive deep into the small business secrets successful entrepreneurs are implementing to see massive results. This is the Business Growth Hacks Podcast, presented by Beefy Marketing. Here's your host, Andrew Brockenbush. What is up going on, small nation, or small business nation, should I say? That's the correct way to say it. Andrew is not with us today because these Texas pollen trees out here have started throwing pollen everywhere. And you can hear I'm a little stuffy, but Andrew's even more stuffy. So it's just me today. But I got a great guest here, Ray Sheehan. He is the founder of Old City Media, but we'll get into that. Before we do, Ray, I have a question for you. And we're going to. As you can see, we're going to tackle the real issues on this show. Do you prefer phone calls or text messages as a form of communication? First off, thank you for having me on the pod. Appreciate that. That's a great question. Um, so I'm going to give you an answer. I'm not going to dance around and say it really depends on the situation. I Good, because that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to probably go with a text message because then I can kind of quantify, validate. And then if it's something, it's like, wow, okay, I need to, there's an action item here. I need to move on this. Then I can upgrade it to a phone call. My opinion right. on that is totally changed years ago. I was a big phone guy, but I think now yeah. maybe I'm getting older. I'll, I'll lean, I'll go text message. Yeah. Okay. I'll buy that. I think I'm going to go text message too, because like you, even though I'm going to say that it's by scenario, because if it's more than a few sentence conversation, then it's a phone call, in my opinion. If if we can handle this in under a paragraph, it's all text. We're good to go. We don't need to go get into a phone call. And with me, I will rabbit hole on the phone call too. We will get talking about guitars or who knows what for 20 minutes. And oh yeah, this is why I called. And so for me, text messages keeps me more on task as well because I can just to the point and get that point across and then move on and not chase those rabbits down the holes because with the phone, you get that personality. And see, that's why I might argue to say I like phone call better because there's a little more information there, a little more context. Uh, sarcasm does not come across in text messages all the time. <laughs> I think I want to make a sarcasm face. <laughs> Just to go in. Yeah, exactly. That way people know this is sarcasm. There's no cross wires there because... So I think I'm going to hold phone call superior to be my answer for the question, but text message is probably my primary form of communication. All right, guys. Well, that was a fun one. You can see we're getting into the tough issues today. Our guest, you've already met him, Ray Sheehan, is the founder of Old City Media. They are a North American event production and experiential marketing agency. He has a background in strategic planning, marketing, event management, and advertising. Sounds familiar. And helped the company expand from one city in the United States to being an international agency that's the kind of growth we're talking about here on Business Growth Hacks. Ray is a recognized as a leader in the special events industry and an innovative thinker in the Philadelphia community and beyond. Ray, we are so glad to have you here. Thanks for taking the time today to be with us. Oh, dude, I'm super excited. Can't wait to share my story and maybe share some insight with all your amazing listeners. 
Awesome. Small Business Nation will appreciate your insight today. I know that. So why don't we take it back? How? Well, let's let's first, there's a word in there that kind of, it struck me, experiential marketing. And I had never seen it worded that way, but I knew exactly what it meant when I read it. But for our listeners out there who may have had a similar experience to me upon hearing experiential marketing, can you explain what experiential marketing is before we dive in? Yeah, no doubt. So think of marketing as, hey, I have a brand or a product and I want to go out and educate consumers about my brand or product, right? So there's right. a lot of different ways of doing that. And everyone on the on the pod here knows you know, there's billboards, there's radio, there's above the line, TV print. There's a ton of different ways to market your brand. The one area that I've been focused on is experiential marketing. And that's where we actually get out into the field and actually have some conversations with their target customer. And your audience has probably seen this. You've probably gone to an event before. Maybe it's a a craft beer or taco festival, or just go to like a sporting event and you'll see a brand there in their Mm -hmm. 10 by 10 pop-up and they're there to engage you. Maybe they're there to sell you something. Maybe they're just there to have a conversation, but Ultimately, they're there to kind of explain a little bit about who they are, what they do, why their product is better than their competition, and ultimately try to have you walk away thinking more favorably about their brand. So that's the space that I'm in. It's a long story. I don't want to bore all your uh, listeners how we got there, but uh, that's where I started over 20 years ago, and it's uh, it's been a fun ride. That's awesome because you know a lot of what I see nowadays and marketing is geared towards social. And I I think that's a great way, a digital format, a footprint is a great way to put your brand out there. But the problem is it doesn't make real connections. And so having actual events where you're actually in the public really pushes alongside those digital things that you're doing. It shows that you're actual people. And so I think it's awesome that you're in that experiential marketing realm because we do still need actual contact with people and we need people that are showing people the way in that vein. When getting into experiential marketing, do you think that what should a brand look at and where they're going to go? Like, should they be event specific or would any event work? Yeah, I mean, if anyone out here is a small medium-sized business owner, and you're thinking about, and a lot, of, a lot of us do this, how can I grow my brand? How can I drive additional sales? What are certain things that I can do as a business owner to just create new revenue? And experiential marketing or event marketing is a fantastic way of going about that. And there's a couple of reasons why. A, you kind of think about your target audience. Okay, who am I trying to engage? Um, what, what's, who is my customer? So now you you identify that. Then it's like, okay, now that I've identified, I know my customer. I think I know my customer pretty well. Well, let me figure out where are areas that my customer goes when they're not engaging with my brand. So whatever it is that you're selling, whatever it is you're in the marketplace, your customer probably does things when he or she is not engaging with your product, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe you're in home improvement, right? Well, it's like, okay, I'm I'm a home improvement brand. I do, whether it's windows or doors or siding or salt, whatever the case may be, anything that would deal with someone's home, well, it's like, okay, let me figure out a way to go out and engage a potential homeowner. Mm-hmm. That might be a local garden center. 
You know, where where in, in my household, the real decision maker in my household is at a garden center, or maybe it's a local hardware store, right? So generally, you're not seeing a lot of renters in a hardware store making capital improvements to their home. Maybe your audience is a young active adult. You want to reach a 21 to a 35. Maybe you're going to concerts or places. So you you kind of think strategically about your customer, who your audience is, and then areas where you can kind of engage your customer. And then you actually go out into the field and then you're right. Then you start to have those conversations. You really start mm-hmm. to understand your customer. How does your customer feel about your brand? How does your customer feel about your customer service? How does your customer feel about certain things? This is amazing insight that you can actually get out into the field. Maybe you make some tweaks. Maybe you pivot. Maybe there's certain things that you should be adding to your product line. Maybe there's certain things that you're not currently doing that maybe you now can start doing. And then ultimately, you're out there to drive that lead into the funnel. Maybe it's a cell Mm -hmm. phone. Maybe it's an email address. Or maybe you're physically selling right there on the property. So there's a lot of things that you can do from an experiential marketing standpoint to help build your business. Yeah, I I hadn't even thought of the implications of it that way from brand research as well, because you are, you know, at the beginning, we talked about that text message versus phone calls, and you're kind of getting that face to face, which is more like that phone call. And that allows you to exchange more information, like you, you can just tell what someone is thinking when you can hear them say it more so than when you just get that text data. So I'm seeing from what you just said, I see that there's also an application for market research to get, you know, brand research done, finding out what the people that you're after really want and make sure you're providing that. And I had never thought about that through an experiential marketing standpoint, but that's amazing. And another thing y'all mentioned on the old city media website was about how you can get these impressions for a fraction of the cost. Can you talk a little bit about that and maybe some of what the ROI looks like on experiential marketing events? Yeah, you're exactly right. So there's a lot of different ways to go out and kind of um, penetrate the market, so to speak, with experiential marketing. It could be through an event, um, a festival. It could be the local like parade on Main Street. It could be the local farmer's market. These are really, really cheap verticals to go down to basically promote your brand. And while you're there, there's other things that you can do. A, you're engaging with the, the attendees. B, you're, you're engaging with the actual staff. And maybe there's a ways where now you can do a better job really engaging the community. Maybe there's a local charity component. Now you're developing some goodwill. And oh, by the way, John, while you're doing all this, you're documenting all this stuff for social, right? So you right. can't abandon social. You can't just say, hey, listen, experiential marketing, that's all yeah. I'm going to do. That's all I'm focus. Like, no, there needs to be email marketing. There needs to be mm-hmm. social. You need to be doing all these different things. But while you're out in the field making those personal connections, that consumer is going to think a lot differently about your brand when they're physically having a conversation with you. You're breaking down the sales barrier. You're asking mm-hmm. questions. You're providing real valuable insight. You're making your target customer smarter. That's value. Yeah. That's a form so when you are out there, now you document all this amazing stuff that you're doing at this event. And like I said, maybe there's a charity component. Maybe you're doing something to just create a better, uh, maybe it's a corporate social responsibility you know, initiative within your company. You're capturing that moment. That moment now lives online. Maybe that customer now that's looking at your brand, maybe there's a little FOMO go- happening right there. But ultimately yeah. now that experience, that moment can now have a life of its own 
on social. So there's other things that you can kind of do where it's not just, hey, let me just put you in a box. You're just going to do experiential marketing. There's a lot of good that can come from that. And yeah, you mentioned it. There's a little research yeah. you could be doing out in the field as well. Yeah, I, I just saw that angle from it as you were explaining it. It's it's funny to me how often, you know, and I think this drives home the point for why we need interaction with each other and we need to sharpen each other is you're talking. I see another angle of something that I look at every day, you know, and that's amazing to me that that's why I love podcasting and doing this and and just what you can learn from your brand by being out there. And the thing I'm seeing now with radio stations, everybody's doing podcasting now. Everyone's doing social now. What I see radio doing, and I follow radio still pretty closely as far as their tactics because they obviously work. But what they'll do is they'll talk about a social media post on the air and get you to go like or share and share about this event that's happening. Like like this morning on the way in, they're talking about a thing that's happening starting at noon today. And so they're trying to get people to go like and share this thing. And what they did is they're naming a shot, a drink at the bar, and they're trying to get everyone to vote on what it's going to be called. And then they're going to have all these people go up to the bar and say this same thing over and over again. What they've done is they've created an event where they have a thing that is going to get people engaged because they they voted on it online. If they go, they're going to go order the thing because now there's an experience, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so you're going to drive home those brands that they contact today, the brands that they use. They're going to remember those brands because of the experience that they had today. And so I think it's important to note here that you can't just say, oh, all experiential marketing or all social or all website or all podcast. It is your combined effort. And I love that you brought that up because week after week, we talk to business owners on here and we hear those similar things that the, the things that we always hear over and over again is you succeed when you don't stop till you succeed and you have to put all your efforts together to make things happen. And so I love that you're you're talking about the the events from that angle because it, it's just so important. I really want Small Business Nation to hear that today, that you need to combine everything you're doing together. And if experiential marketing sounds like something for your brand, then you definitely need to look into it because there's definitely applications that will benefit you. you know, and you know what it is? You know, you, you have agencies out there like, have to do SEO, need to be pay-per-click, need to do only mm -hmm. traditional media. And it's like, you know, I feel like a lot of agencies, they, they have a tendency to kind of lead you down a path of maybe a path that they're extremely comfortable with, or they have a lot of insight in work. To me, I'm kind of like you. It's like, hey, I know that each business is different. And for me, test, measure, test, measure, make decisions, mm -hmm. make smart business decisions off of like a real sample size. And experiential marketing yeah. might not be the play. It might, from a staffing perspective or a bandwidth, it just might not. It's like, right, our business is driven on Amazon. It's driven on pay-per-click. It's driven. Great. That's awesome. You figured that out. You validated that. I'm way okay with that. I mm -hmm. like to believe that, that, hey, there's a lot of different ways to kind of market your brand. And if you have all those pieces kind of like working together, and you see the larger global brands, this is what they're doing. You mentioned yeah. that. You mentioned that radio spot of that mm -hmm. event. My guess is that when the consumer goes to the bar and orders that brand, there might be a brand ambassador there doing experiential right. marketing, engaging that consumer and maybe even doing some sampling or doing a giveaway. How many times have we gone to a bar and gotten a course oh, later? Yeah. 
or Jägermeister keychain, right? That's all mm -hmm. experiential marketing. They're trying yeah. to figure out a way to really, 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 truly engage that customer. Yeah, and I think the main thing to note is to create a memorable, memorable experience, regardless of what channel you're using to do that for your company. Creating memories are what people connect with. Hundred percent. Yeah. What would you What would you say the size of a company should be before they get into experiential marketing? Because you mentioned kind of bandwidth and possibly you know budget restrictions a second ago. Is do you think the size of a company matters before they get into that or start whenever you can? So, uh, that's, you know, it's a really good question. Um, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners have a lot of, there's different businesses out there. Here's what I would tell you. Um, okay. my, my, my recommendation would be you need to make sure you have a plan. And if you're a very small business and you have one or two employees, but you have a process and you have a plan and you have a system, then I'm okay with that. And if you have mm -hmm. 30 or 50 or 100 employees and you're a little disjointed and you don't have a process and a system and a plan, then this might not be for you. But and what, the reason why I say that is you're going to go out to the, to the market and this, this is, again, these are, this is cheap. You could be staffing it yourself as a business owner, or maybe you have a team, or maybe you source this out to a staffing agency. So we're not mm -hmm. talking a ton of money. The reality right. is once you're out in the field, you're going to generate leads. You're absolutely going to, especially if you thought about it strategically of like, okay, we know our audience, we know our target market. Let's go out and try to figure out where, where those, let's fish where the fish are. Let's go where our mm -hmm. potential end user is. So now we're there. We're engaging customers about our product. And we like to think our product is amazing or our service is amazing or whatever it is mm -hmm. that you're promoting, right? You'd like to believe that whatever it is that you own or manage, it's amazing. And here's your point of difference. And now you're having that conversation with, with the customer. My guess is you're going to get leads. Yeah. You're going to get a consumer that's absolutely interested in your product or services. What happens now? When that lead gets into the funnel, what happens? Mm -hmm. So you almost need to make sure that you have the processes and systems in place. So when that lead goes into the funnel, you capture that email, you mm -hmm. capture that, that cell phone number. What happens now? Do you have the process and the systems in place? What happens when that consumer goes onto your website and goes through like the, the mapping, so to speak, of your website and the journey of your mm -hmm. website? And how are you pouring, pooling that customer to purchase or moving them down the line in the sales process. So if you're good there, if you mm -hmm. have the process and if you have the sales funnel set up and then once they go to the website and your website is, it doesn't need to be this like outrageously like super sophisticated website, but if all that infrastructure is in place, you can absolutely without a shadow of a doubt, go out. I recommend mm -hmm. crawl, walk, run, because you're going to have yeah. to figure it out. What, what exactly do I need? What does my table setup look like? How do I create some stickiness? How do I drive that consumer over to my table? Oh, right. I did the spin the wheel. I could not imagine all the engagement we got out of that. Well, we didn't mm -hmm. figure that out for a week or two. So I apologize for the long-winded question. But the, the, the short answer is, if you have processes and systems in place, you can absolutely go out and do this. If they are not in place, I would recommend pause on this. Get mm -hmm. everything in order and in-house so when you do get these leads, and these leads could be, depending on your brand, extremely yeah. important. You just want to make sure that you're able to kind of like fulfill those orders, fulfill those questions, and be able to respond and react to those leads once they get into the funnel. Yeah, like an old, an old man in my life once used to tell me growing up, 
when you get in the spotlight, remember to have a dance ready. So, <laughs> um, I, I'm going to let that sit for a second. No, um, when you get in the spotlight, make sure you have a dance ready. The biggest thing for small business owners, I think, is being so just chomping at that bit, ready to go. I love the way you worded that because you did not address the size of the company. And I'm glad that you didn't. That was very strategic. You addressed having those systems in place because that would be your first step. Because if you don't have something you can scale, you're going to end up tripping or finding some obstacles that you may not want to or enjoy jumping over in that process. And worst case scenario, you you really make your customers angry if you don't have those processes in place. And then you have all these new people coming in, but you don't deliver what you promised. And so I, I love that you addressed that there and the way that you did. That's great. So small business nation, if you're listening to that, get your processes in place. We tell you every week <laughs> and here you hear it again, get those processes <laughs> in place. People. Uh, I want to talk to you about the gift program. You want to talk about that now? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So kind of like, so the, where did this all start, right? And, and I'll give you guys just a, a quick story. So I come from the special event space. So our, mm -hmm. our team would go out, Major League Baseball team, if there's any sports fans there, you know, and they go on the road, they're out of the ballpark for a week or 10 days and they're on the road. Um, mm -hmm. So Major League Baseball ballparks and football stadiums, when, when the club is away, they're trying to figure out ways to monetize their ballpark. So our agency would come in and produce these, these amazing beer festivals. So for 20 years, I was in the special event space. That's, mm -hmm. that's what gave me the ability to interact with all these brands. These brands would come out to my event. They would want to engage with all the people as they're eating tacos and drinking all this amazing craft beer. COVID lands on our lap. So with the exception of Texas and Florida, where it didn't exist, <laughs> <laughs> everywhere else, especially here up in the Northeast, I yeah. could not bring people together anymore. No large yeah. social gatherings, no large events. I'm not telling mm -hmm. you guys all remember this, you know, for the yeah. past you know, few years. So what I did was I thought about the brands and I thought about a lot of these brands, a big part of their model is to go out and engage the community. And that's why there's home shows, there's boat shows, there's RV shows, there's the gun show, there's the top, there's all this events. Yeah. And these events are amazing for people just to go out and have a good time. And these events are great for brands to sell their product, experiential marketing, which we talked about. So when I could no longer bring people together for these large scale festivals, I quickly pivoted and, and kind of changed my model and said, hey, let me go out, let me engage these brands that I already have these relationships with and say, hey, instead of being at my taco festival or instead of being at a beer festival, Imagine being at an extremely busy grocery store on a Saturday or Sunday. Mm -hmm. There's still 5,000 people coming and going, buying groceries and buying essential items. Yeah. You can still go out and engage the community in a safe and socially responsible way. But mm -hmm. the game's changed. Where maybe we're wearing masks and there's hand sanitizer, the whole social distancing. But the, the game remains the same. You can mm -hmm. still go out and integrate your brand into the fabric of the community by leveraging the, the retail partners in these communities. And a lot of times these retail partners are a big part of the community. Like I mentioned mm -hmm. Ace Hardware, they support oh, yeah. the, the local Little League team or the local VFW. Yeah. 
So there was like a built-in trust. So the consumer gets out of their car, they need to go inside Ace to buy a gallon of paint, and then bam, there's a brand there. Well, the consumer's already thinking there's some there's confidence there because why would that brand be allowed to be on this property if the owner didn't endorse it? Didn't necessarily endorse it, but technically kind yeah. of endorsed it. So yeah. fast forward now, three years later, that was the impetus of the program. I still wanted to go out and help brands. I wanted to give back to the community by giving them gift cards. I wanted to help the retailers. And this program kind of got everyone together and everyone kind of was drinking the Kool-Aid. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I was looking at that program on your website because it's pretty apparent. Like, hey, we do this, and I was, well, let me check that out. And I was like, wow, this is a really <laughs> cool thing that they're doing here. Uh, yeah. And you kind of you inadvertently answered another question in there as well. Um, I was going to ask. I'm a mind about, reader. Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> I'm just reading minds today. <laughs> oh yeah, I was going to say, do you have the ability to control what kind of brands are are placed and make sure that you know there's not contrasting brands put on the same event that's what i was going to ask and you kind of answered that no it's a good question it's probably so yes so essentially we don't want to turn these retail partners like your local grocery stores into a flea market so the idea is hey let's work with a brand whether the brand's in, maybe it's in telecommunications or maybe it's in home improvement or maybe it's in insurance. Let's have one brand there for the day and let's make them the star of the show. Um, So yeah, so we kind of keep it exclusive to one brand, um, Mm -hmm. one property, um, but doing that on on a national level. So Right. I guess I was thinking more special events, but yeah, this is not festival. It would be more like one brand in our location. I got you. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great question, and it really depends on the size of the event. So if you're talking a smaller event, yeah, you do not want to have multiple brands there promoting the same thing, right? That's just not good for mm-hmm. the customer experience. Man, there's AT&T's here, T-Mobile's here, you know, uh, Verizon's here. They're, they're all trying to sell me the same thing. So that's right. a good customer experience. When you have a much larger festival, yes, we will have multiple brands there unless a brand wants to pay for some sort of an exclusivity. Um, and you will see that from time to time. You will see maybe maybe there's only one beer brand there. You know, it's it's Anheuser-Busch or it's Miller Lite or it's Tito's Vodka and it's, there's no absolute there. So that will happen from time to time with some, potentially some larger venues or some large scale mm-hmm. events. You will have a brand that wants to come in and absolutely dominate the share of voice and make sure they're the only exclusive brand in their particular vertical. Right. And I figured that would be the answer that you would give because, I mean, it doesn't make sense to put, I mean, host the cell phone company event. You know, this was just an event for cell phone companies to sell to me. I have had that feeling at different events as a, you know, just a goer to an event, not part of the worker, which is a weird experience for me. And that's, there's a sidebar. Is it weird for you to go to an event that you have nothing to do with? Is it? No, absolutely not. No. No, for me, for me, sometimes I just, I want to do something with the event. Like I want to go run sound or run this over there, or I'll see like this tech is obviously having trouble with that. And I I just want to go help them. But I think that's just my nature from being in events. No, I think that's totally fine. And believe me, if if I ever had someone at my event, like offering a hand, it's like, dude, get that beer. 
<laughs> yeah. That's uh, maybe that's why I do it. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> There's a hidden motive that I didn't even know about for myself there. That's awesome. Um all right, we talked about the gift program. We think I think the main thing for our listeners to take away from this conversation is before you do anything marketing wise, you need to get those systems in place. Make sure you got your funnels in place because if you don't have a way to retain sales, you you could save yourself money just by making sales that you're not going after, you know? So get those funnels in place. Maybe look into some experiential marketing events. Maybe you need to call up Ray here with Old City Media and they can help you out, especially if you're up there on the East Coast. Sounds like they're close to you. But even if you're down here in Texas, I'm sure they could do something for you. Is that correct? Yeah, no, we're doing... So last week we did over 300, almost 325 events nationwide. So they're all over okay. the grocery, they're in hardware, they're in retail stores. Um, so yes, absolutely. So if anyone's listening, it's like, man, this sounds interesting. Like, wonder if my company or brand is ready for this. We, we love leads. We love engaging yeah. the community. We love getting out there. We love driving additional revenue. Maybe Ray and his team can help us with the strategy. So yes, drop me a, a line, reach out to us. We'd love to have an exploratory call and just at a minimum, just get smarter about your business and see if we could potentially help you. So yes, this is a nationwide thing, just not up here mm -hmm. in, uh, in Philadelphia. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. And Philly's a great place too. I haven't been to Pennsylvania in a while, but it's probably time to go back. I, I was pleasantly surprised how beautiful it is up there actually. Oh, the rolling hills, man. Cause it's, it's flat down here. We're in the Gulf coast plains, man. I mean, you get out the hill country, it's flat. <laughs> So we'll, I like looking at some hills. We'll get you, your listeners down here. Get everyone a nice cheesesteak. Yeah, we'll have a good time. Oh, yeah. I got to have a real cheesesteak because I, I do the Texas cheesesteak. It's it's same thing, but jalapenos. Oh. Yeah, we got to... We gotta we gotta add one thing and call it our own, you know. <laughs> but I like a Philly cheesesteak. All right, so now is the moment that all our listeners are waiting for, and I'm gonna roll this wonderful sound effect, and then we're gonna hear your hack that you have for our audience. <laughs> it's a great sound effect. No doubt. I would say my business hack was probably one of the worst decisions that I made, and I would say. Awesome. Yeah. So I got enamored by the mm -hmm. deal and yeah. I got enamored Ooh. by the potential financial reward. And I was mm -hmm. almost intoxicated by just like, wow, imagine if all this happens. Imagine if all this goes my way. Think about this mm -hmm. from an economic perspective, just what this could do for me. And I didn't give enough consideration for what if this goes horribly wrong, like DEFCON 1 wrong? Mm, and I never yeah. really, and I know, I'm sure a lot of your listeners, they probably do this, but at the time I was, I was a young business owner and I didn't do it. And I just wish someone told me to like, when you're looking at a deal, no matter what mm -hmm. it is, you need to really look at it from, you know, obviously you want to look at it. We're all business owners. We're all just our DNA. We're optimistic. We just, we think mm -hmm. we can do anything and build anything. That's just kind of how we are wired. But you right. have to always think about what if this thing just fails and it fails, not mm -hmm. just fails bad, but like really bad. And what does that mean right. for your business, some liabilities and risk and stuff like that? So not necessarily ha a hack, but more of just, you know, looking at things from a different perspective. Yeah. 
not, hey, this could be amazing, but what if it's not amazing? And what if it goes horribly wrong? Yeah, no, I, I think that is a hack. Is before you sign yes, consider the what if because yeah. that is something that I myself have not considered a whole lot because like you, oh, we need to freeze the sun? Sure, we'll just get a big <laughs> ladder. We'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, we can do anything. Yeah, that's fine. And yeah, and there was a long time where I got into this just say yes and then figure it out. But you sometimes need to be honest and be like, hey, I can't do that. And that's going to be much more beneficial from your standpoint, from your client's standpoint on everyone in the whole situation. If you're just honest, this is outside of my ability or I need to learn this. Or as you're saying, think about the negative side of what could happen if it goes wrong, because it could be a fatal, fatal mistake, a fatal slip. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, you know, I hate to end the the, the pod on such uh, like more of a negative. We'll bring it back up. We'll bring it back up. <laughs> but when it's really the truth, and it could be something as simple as just like you mentioned, think about all the business decisions we make during the day. And it could just be something as like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm doing this, like I'm making this decision yep. of doing this. Like you said, I didn't say no. Well, now mm-hmm. this allocation of time, like I could be now be doing something right. Just looking at things, um, and again, mm-hmm. I'm probably the most optimistic person you'll ever meet, but in this one particular yeah. case with this deal, I really wish I would have given it some yeah. different perspective or a different point of view of like, what if this thing just goes mm-hmm. sideways? So um, other than that... Uh- <laughs> hey, that's great. Great. Ray, I appreciate you being on the show today. Thank you so much for everything that you had to offer our audience. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to leave with our audience before we go? Where can we find you and all that? Yeah, no doubt. No, everyone out there, continue chasing your dreams, man. It's uh, it's a struggle, but everyone out there that's doing it, keep doing it. And if yes, if anyone has any interest in potentially getting out into the marketplace, thinking about experiential marketing, just maybe just want some deeper insight, reach out to mm-hmm. me, oldcitymedia.com. Again, that's oldcitymedia.com. Reach out to me. I'd be happy to provide some free insight uh, just to kind of point you in the right direction. Um, but no, once again, thank you so much for having me on the podcast Mm -hmm. and I wish you and all your listeners a lot of success. Thank you. Well, there you have it. Small business nation, some great advice today, get those funnels in place and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of the business growth hacks podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. So you never miss an episode to get more marketing tips and tricks. Follow beefy marketing on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at beefy marketing. And to take your business to the next level, check out our website at www.beefymarketing.com.